chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, even perhaps though for a good person one would dare to die. But God chose his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we saved, be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are, that we are reconciled shall we be also saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of our God. Would you please be seated? How's everybody doing today? Very well. It, it's, it's a customary question. Right? We, we often ask people, when you bump into somebody, you ask them, how are you doing today? And it's a question that, to be honest, quite often we don't really think about much when we ask, and, and really we don't often think about much when we answer. What's the, the customary response when, when somebody asks, how are you doing? Fine. But I want us to really consider how we're really doing today. There's one answer that describes every single person here. Whether you are here this morning feeling that you are on top of the world, or whether you are here this morning in the middle of, of a severe trial. Whether you're here this morning as a Christian, or whether you are here this morning as an unbeliever. This one answer is theologically correct and describes every single one of us. How are you doing today? You understand the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, and we're talking about God's holiness and, and God's righteousness, then, then you know what you deserve. You know that we deserve, all of us, eternal punishment, that we deserve eternal separation from God because of our sins. We know that we deserve to be in hell right now, every single one of us. So how are you doing today? Better than you deserve. Better than you deserve. Are you doing, you're doing better than you deserve because of the goodness of God. You're doing better than you deserve because God is a good God. Believers experience the goodness of God in His, in His grace and His mercy. While unbelievers experience the, the goodness of God in His patience. Now, believers also experience God's goodness in His patience as well, but, but in, a, in a different way. Next week, when we continue to look at God's goodness, we're going to really focus that, that whole sermon on the love of God. But this morning, I'm going to be focusing specifically on God's grace 
and God's mercy and God's patience. The last time that I preached on the goodness of God, I was riding high. And as I, as I spoke in, in my sermon, uh, I was, was talking about the fact that I was in good health. And the fact that, um, that, that I was really enjoying the, the real growth and depth in unity in the church. And I was especially feeling the goodness of God because in less than two weeks after preaching that sermon, I was going to marry Jane. A woman who is, is more godly and, and more beautiful than I could have possibly imagined. So I could testify of the goodness of God in, in a particular way because I was experiencing the goodness of God in His, in His kind and generous providence. But to be frank, as I preach on the goodness of God this time five years later, Life is a little bit harder. To reflect on the past few years, I can, I can say that this has been the most difficult season of my Christian walk. Most of you know that the trials that, that we have and continue to experience with Liam's help. Many of you are aware of, of some of the, the, the issues that took place in this church, that, and, and I praise God that, that the church has really turned the corner, but, but those, those hurts are still there. The pain is still there. And my health also is, 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 is not once what it was. But I can still testify of the goodness of God. And I know that that's true for many of you here who are in the middle of, of trials, of severe trials. Whether it's relational trials, or whether it's health trials, or financial trials, or, or in some cases all of the above. Testify to the goodness of God. You see, my experience, your experience of the goodness of God does not change because of our experiences. The, the goodness of God is not determined by our earthly, our temporal circumstances. If, if my view of the goodness of God changes because of my present circumstances, that says a lot more about me than it does about God. It says that I'm trying to interpret my own temporal circumstances through my own fleshly eyes. Instead of looking to God's word in order to determine and to understand what's really going on in my life. God is good. God is the ultimate standard of good. God isn't just good when life is fun. God is good all the time because God is good in His nature. And all that is good emanates from God to us. He is goodness itself and He is the standard of all that is good. Wayne Grudem says the goodness of God means that God is the final standard and that all that God does and all that God is is worthy of approval. Everything that God does. And the good God is the source of all that is good. And that every good that we receive is a gift from Him. As we talked about with, with the kids, that, that God is, is the Father of lights with whom there is, there is no variation or shadow due to change. That every good and perfect gift comes from Him. James 1.17 
But we as humans experience God's goodness in particularly in His love and His grace and His mercy and His patience. And each of these is integral to His nature, to His goodness. And each of these could be, could be the topic of many, many sermons. But, but this morning I'm going to focus specifically again on His grace and His mercy and His patience. And then next week, Lord willing, we're going to be talking about His love. So first let's look at God's grace. People talk about grace all the time. But few really know what it means. And, and even fewer have actually experienced God's grace. Easily the, the best-known hymn is what? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But it's incredibly sad when I think about the number of funerals of unbelievers where that hymn has been sung. And as I sit there at those, at those, those funerals, it's too late for the person that's lying in the casket. But I pray that, that some of those who are there, some of those who are, are listening or hearing that hymn, will, will just in their spirit, by the Holy Spirit, will, something will spark and they'll say, I want that grace. I want God's amazing grace. I pray that, that, that they will receive God's amazing grace and, and find saving faith in Him. The Lord has set His grace on the elect on those He has chosen to save. Referring to those that, that God had reserved for Himself, Paul says literally in Romans 11, 5, even so that at this present time, and hear this, there is, a resident, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Paul is saying that there's a remnant. There are those who, who have been saved throughout history. And there specifically, he was talking about, about believing Israel in the midst of the nation of Israel. There was a remnant. There was really just a small number who had truly believed. And they were a remnant preserved because of God's election. That God had chosen them as the recipients of His grace. That's what, what Paul says there in Romans 11.5. There is always a remnant, and it is always according to God's grace. Only by God's grace. Theologian Louis, Louis Burkhoff defines grace as the free bestowal of kindness on one who has no claim on it. It is the unmerited goodness or love of God to those who have forfeited it and are by nature under a sentence of condemnation. So essentially what Burkhoff is saying is that that, that with grace, God is giving us what we don't deserve. God is giving us what we don't deserve. We have all forfeited the love of God by our nature and by our actions. All of us. Unbelievers. And, and, and we were all unbelievers at one point in our lives. Live under God's just condemnation. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. If, if our righteous deeds are as a polluted garment, what does that say about our sins? And if even our so-called good deeds can, can't merit us any kind of salvation, then, then our sins cause, they merit our condemnation. If you please, in your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and 
and look at uh, we'll look at verses um, ten and following here. At the end of, of two chapters where the Apostle Paul is demonstrating the, the wickedness of, of, of human beings, of, of Jew and Gentile alike, he spent two chapters talking about how bad we all are. He comes to the, this, this, uh, the, the crux of it here in verse 10. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then he continues to, to heap up condemnation on the human race. He's saying that no, nobody's good. That's, that's inclusive language. All of us have turned aside. Every single one of us are under the just condemnation of a holy God. No unbeliever can do anything to please God. Because we read in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. Nothing that an unbeliever does, the, the best act of an unbeliever does not please God because it is not done out of faith. We were sinners from the moment of birth. We were sinners from the moment of conception. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are sinners by nature, and we are sinners by choice. Turn please to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we spent quite a bit of time in, in Ephesians um, just recently, but, but you can see there in um, the beginning of Ephesians 2 that in verse 1, that you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, and, and that you were following the world, you were following Satan, and you were following your flesh. You were by nature a child of wrath. But then in verse 4, this, this, these two words that make all of the difference, these, these two words that really make the only difference, but God, but We were all guilty. We were all under the, the condemnation of God, but God. And if that doesn't, doesn't make your, your heart leap up and rejoice, you need, to, you need to go to God and ask God to give you a deeper understanding of, of what's happening here. This but God. Because this is what God did for dead, wicked sinners like me and like you. But God has made you alive in Christ Jesus. By grace you are saved. By God's grace you are saved. Verse 7, it says that it was to show that the immeasurable riches of His grace. And again, verse 8, by grace you have been saved. And look back at Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14. We spent, we spent several weeks on this, but in that glorious run-on sentence, verses 3 to 14 is just one sentence. Paul gets so excited about this, he doesn't even stop to breathe. In that one sentence, Paul heaps up praise to God for the salvation, for God's grace that, 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 that the, the elect have received. That those who are predestined to be adopted into his 
family have received. Look at verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, sorry, this is back in verse 4. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have received, we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of his grace and he lavished, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So that, that passage, those 11 verses tell us that, that we are, are by, by grace sinners receive the gift of God in Christ. By grace, we are forgiven. By grace, we are saved. By grace, we are predestined to be adopted. By grace, we are justified, enriched with spiritual blessings, and, in, and inherit eternal salvation. If that's not good, I don't know what good is. Amen. All of this grace comes to us from our good God. Again and again, Paul says in Ephesians 1 and 2 that God's grace comes to us in Christ, in Him, through Him. So, fellow Christian, how are you doing this morning? Better than you deserve. Why? Because Christ's reward has been given to you. Christ is the Son. You have been made sons and daughters. Christ has been raised to glory in heaven. You too will be raised to glory in heaven. And in some mysterious way that I can't even understand, you're already raised to glory in heaven. Christ's, Christ's inheritance is the nations. Your inheritance is Christ himself. And so in Christ, that's your inheritance too. So in God's grace... In God's grace, he, is, he has given you what Christ deserves. God has given you what Christ deserves. That is the goodness of God. Well, now let's, let's look at the, at the corollary of, or like say corollary, of God's, of God's grace. God's mercy. God's mercy. Another key part of, of God's love is mercy. And again, again from Louis Burkhoff, if the grace of God contemplates man as guilty before God and therefore in need of forgiveness, the mercy of God contemplates him as one who is bearing the consequences of sin, who is in pitiable condition, and who therefore needs divine help. It is the goodness or love of God shown to those who are in misery or distress, irrespective of what they deserve. So if God's grace is, is giving us what we don't deserve, God's mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. God doesn't give us what we do deserve. We deserve the cup of God's wrath. But in mercy, God shows himself as compassionate, who, who pities those who are in misery and is, is always ready to, to relieve their distress. The ladies last year studied through the, the book of Judges. And when you think about the, the cycle of the book of Judges, what happened 
throughout that book, well, the, the theme is really that there was no king in Israel and, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And you, you hear that refrain all the way through the book. But, but what happened was because of their sin, God's judgment would, would come down and often in the form of, of wicked uh, oppressors who would, would attack the people of God and then um, in their misery they would cry out to God and then God would send a deliverer who would save them from their enemies and then they would get comfortable again and then they would turn back to their sin and then again there would be a, a, a conquering people who would come and attack them, they would cry out for mercy, God would deliver them. It happens again and again and again in the book of Judges. That's God's mercy. They had no claim on God's mercy. But God delivered them again and again and again. And brothers and sisters, the same is true for us. We have no claim on God's mercy, but God has delivered us again and again and again and again. Just think for a moment about, about Psalm 51. I, I referenced it earlier. Maybe it would be a good idea for us to turn there. You got to Psalm 51, and, and, and I, I hope that you're familiar with this psalm, and um, if, if not, I, I really strongly recommend that you familiarize yourself with this psalm, that, that you make this psalm part of your spiritual vocabulary, and, and that, that you can even pray this psalm back to God when, when, when you're convicted over your sin. Um, this is, is David's psalm of repentance. When Nathan the prophet came to David and, and told him, you are the man that after David had committed adultery and murder. And this, this psalm is, is a psalm of repentance. And so you can really um, make, like said, make this psalm your own and, and pray this back to God when you come under conviction for your sin. But, but just look at verses 1 and 2 where David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. You can pray this back to God. You can actually pray the, the, the whether it's the, the specific words or the, or the concepts. We'll talk about this a lot in a few weeks, but, but you should, really quite often, you should pray with an open Bible. And pray God's word back to God. And, and this is a great song to pray when, when you really... No, you need God's mercy, and we all need God's mercy. But God's mercy, like His grace, is conferred upon the elect. It's conferred upon the elect. In Romans 9, 15 and 16, God says to Paul, says this, he says, for, for God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Salvation is dependent not on man's will or exertion, but on God's mercy. And then so we read in, in Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That is God's Mercy. We're going to go into this a lot more next week when we talk about the love of God. But you can see from the context of Romans 5 that, that Paul is speaking specifically of those who are saved. Let's, let's go there, please, for, for Romans 5. Yeah, this is the passage that I, that I read 
before the sermon, but, but verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you need to ask there, who is us? Who is us? Well, you can see, especially in verse 10, um, that if we were, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we, shall we be saved by his life? And so that us is the we. Same people he's talking about here. The us is those who have been reconciled to God by the blood of Christ. The us of Romans 8 is the, is the we of verse of 5, of 5, 8 is the we of verse 10. It's those who are reconciled. It's those who are saved. And so we who are saved experience the mercy of God through the death of His Son. You know, I, I, I will never grow tired of, of talking about this. This is the, the core of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, who loved His Father perfectly for all eternity, who obeyed His Father perfectly as He walked through this world, in the middle of sinners and people who treated him horrifically. His every moment was loving obedience to his heavenly Father. And part of that obedience was that he gave himself to his tormentors. He gave himself to those who would take his life, who would torture him and nail him to a cross. Jesus, the sinless one, was on that cross. He became the sin bearer. He bore our sin. And the Father poured out His wrath on His Son for us. And the Father turned away from His Son for us. That's the core of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But we know what happened next, that on the third day Jesus rose from the grave because it was impossible for death to hold him. And he's now been raised to the right hand of the Father to show that the Father was satisfied with the sacrifice that the Son paid on our behalf. That's how you can be reconciled to God. And most of us here, praise God, have been reconciled to God by the death of His Son. But if you are here this morning as an unbeliever, I'm pleading with you to come under the grace and mercy of God, to turn away from your sin and to put your faith in Christ so that you can experience what so many of us here have experienced. So that you can experience the love of God, the grace and mercy of our God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Well, in 20, verse 20, Paul says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ, calling you to be reconciled to God. For our sake, verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we can be the righteousness of God. 
The Father made the Son to be sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. We are saved by Christ's death and it is all God's mercy. So fellow Christian, how are you doing this morning? Better than you deserve. Why? Because your punishment has been put on Christ. He drank the cup of God's wrath for you down to the dregs. Christ got what you deserve. And so you are doing better than you deserve. Well, now finally we'll turn to God's patience. And, and here we're going we're gonna to broaden our scope quite a bit. If you want to understand God's love for the world without exception, consider his patience. Again from Burkhoff. Patience is that aspect of God's goodness or love in virtue of which he bears with the forward and the evil in spite of their long-continued disobedience. What does that mean? It means that God's patience is that he puts up with sinners. The omniscient God sees every sin that is being committed around this world at, at every moment. He sees the sin that is, is in our hearts, the things that, that we think are in the dark are like the daylight to him. You know, last week I, I quoted um, some statistics on abortion. Just one of the, the many wicked things that are taking place on this on this planet. And there's it's, it's, there's a, a website with a tracker, and it's and it's it's it shows you while you are on the website, it says the number of babies who have been killed since you have opened this page. And you can see that the, the ticker ticking over and over again. There's 50 million children killed every day, every year rather, in this sick, sinful world of ours. But it's, it's, not just, it's not just abortion. It's, it's the twisting of, of marriage and the, the, the attempt to redefine what is good in marriage. It's the, the twisting and redefining even of what gender is. And all of those are, are sins, but, but so is, is lying and stealing and and any form of, of idolatry and, and immorality and <coughs> drunkenness and, and all of these things God is patient with. That he doesn't just obliterate sinful people on the spot. One day several years ago I, I came out of the church and there was a young man walking down the street and, and as I, I, began, I began to talk with him and and, and tried to, to share the gospel with him. And, and he, this still shocks me to this day, but, but he said to me that, I said, you know, one day we are going to give an account to God for the way that, we live our, that we've lived our lives. And, and not just the, the, the individual sins of, of all these particular things we've done, but just by the, the very direction of our lives was sin apart from God. And then this man said to me, and he was, he was very serious, he said, when I stand before God, I even shudder to say these words. He said, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell him that he is unjust. And I told him, you will melt like wax 
but for the holiness of God. If you do not repent. This man, who has been given his very life by God, the air that he breathes, the food that he eats, the shelter that he dwells in, the clothing on his back, are all gifts to him in God's patience and mercy. More patience than, than mercy. But, but he would dare. He would dare to say something like that about the holy God. Unbelievers are doing better than they deserve because they're not under God's <coughs> yet. Romans 2, 4 and 5, Or do you presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Unbelievers experience the goodness of God in His patience. But believers also experience God's patience. But it's a different kind of patience. It's, it's a kind of patience of a, of a loving father. As, as I try to, to correct and, and train my children, there, there are some, some particular behaviors that they, that they go back to again and again. And, and we, we find we have to, have to keep on training them in, in righteousness and, 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 and keep on coming back to them and saying, you need to learn how to do this the right way and, and learn how to obey your mommy and daddy because when you obey your mommy and daddy, you are really obeying God. But I, I don't just say, when my, my three-year-old son says, I don't say, that's it, you're out of this house. I'm done with you. Because I'm patient. And God's patience that we experience as believers is that of a loving, heavenly Father. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's speaking of the church, that the God has made a promise to His church that He's going to preserve them to the end, and He's not willing that any of His church is going to perish. But we also see God's patience on believers in a different way in Romans 3, that passage that I read a little bit ago. At the end of, of, that, of that passage where, where the Lord has been, when Peter's been describing the, the, the wickedness of, of Jew and Gentile before a holy God, he continues in, in verses 21 to 26, which, which is arguably the most glorious paragraph that has ever been written down. It's kind of like that in verse Ephesians 2, 7, where we said, but God, this one's a but now. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now here, this is, this is the part specifically that deals with God's patience. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what he's saying there is that, what Paul is saying that in God's divine plan to, to send his son to die, that because of God's plan, that's how he could, could pass over all those sins that were, were accumulated prior to the, the coming of Christ and prior to the cross. That in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins because he knew he was going to send the son as the sin bearer. And that's how... The un, how believing Israel was saved because they were looking ahead to the Messiah. Now they didn't understand in, in the way that, that we understand uh, of what God was going to do in sending His own Son. They, they, they did not understand that. But we have the, 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 the superlative blessing of living after the cross and by the Spirit having these things revealed to us so that we can understand God's divine forbearance, God's divine patience. So if you're here this morning as, a, as an unbeliever, God's goodness is evident towards you in His patience. He's giving you time to repent and to come to Him. But be warned. Because the inclination of your heart will draw you deeper into sin. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Be warned, one day, God's patience will run out. Repent before it is too late for you. If you are here as a believer this morning, you are also a recipient of God's patience. God has been patient with you over that cherished sin. That, you sin, that sin that you think nobody sees, God sees it. But the fact that he has not brought down severe discipline upon you is because of his patience on you. But it also must warn you that God is calling you to repentance. He's calling you to repentance as well. So how are you doing this morning? I think we can all safely say better than we deserve better than we deserve. So maybe you're here this morning in a, in a happy time in your life. Maybe you're, you're experiencing tangible blessings from the Lord. Maybe, maybe things are going really well for you and your, with your friends and your family and your work. And you're experiencing the goodness of God in that way. But maybe you're here this morning in, under a, a different set, set of, of earthly circumstances. Maybe you're here in the midst of a trial. Maybe you're, you're having difficulty in, in, in several different areas of your life. You can still praise God for His goodness. Psalm 107, 8. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. When you look at Scripture and, and those who have experienced difficult trials in their lives, think of Job, who lost everything, including his family, in one day. And then his health and, his, and even his, his so-called friends turned on him and, and accused him of wickedness. Think of the Apostle Paul, the, the one who was arguably the, the more 
more responsible for, as a human being, more responsible for the building of church, the church than any other human who has ever walked on the face of the earth. I think you can make the case that the Apostle Paul has suffered more than any other human being who has walked the face of the earth. He was, was beaten by rods. He was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned and left for dead. He was, was rejected by his own people. He was in danger constantly. But he knew the goodness of God. Think especially of Jesus. Who certainly suffered more than anyone, not as a mere man, but as the God-man was the very goodness of God incarnate that He suffered for us. He suffered for you. He suffered for me. So where are you at right now? How are you doing right now? Are you preaching to yourself, I'm doing better than I deserve. I know what I deserve. But God has, has showered His grace and His mercy and His patience on me, so I will praise Him as long as I live. Whatever my circumstances, whatever is going on in my life, it really doesn't matter in the eternal scheme of things because God loves me. Because God has sent His Son to die for my sins. Because He has given His Son what I deserve. Because He has given me what His Son deserves. Therefore, I could be doing better. Could it be doing better? But even for you, here's an unbeliever. God's being patient. You've heard the gospel proclaimed yet again this morning. This is your opportunity to get right with God, to turn away from your sin and put your faith in Him. And so after this service, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in here for, for a little bit. If, if you if if you want to get right with God, you want to know more about what that means and, and, and how you can do that, I would be more than happy to stay back and to talk with you. This is this is a chance for you to be able to say, I'm not just doing a little bit better than I deserve. I'm not just doing a lot better than I deserve. I I'm doing unimaginably better than I deserve, because I also have experienced God's grace and God's mercy. Let's pray to